Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey guys, it's Billy Munger here. Hi, and I'm Johnny Herbert. And looking forward to this week's Lift the Lid because we've got a great guest. Very good guest. For us, haven't we, Billy? Gunter Steiner. So we're going to be chatting with Gunter Steiner, but I think before that happens, we're going to talk things. It's Monaco. What happened in Monaco? Yeah, we'll have a little reflection on Monaco. Mile and Johnny's take on what was actually a Monaco Grand Prix with a little bit of a difference this year. And that's because it got a little bit wet, Johnny, didn't it? It did, but it was awesome all weekend, wasn't it? Qualifying was fantastic and even the race was brilliant as well. It was great to see sort of Max and especially Fernando really sort of pushing Max. It would have been so interesting to see what would have happened in the race if it had gone without even that little bit of rain coming down. How long would have Max gone with those medium tyres, of course, then the rain came down. Absolutely a brilliant weekend. Thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyed it, Billy. Yeah, my first ever time at the Monaco Grand Prix this weekend, Johnny, I've got to say, it was, it it was, it's such a special weekend. I mean, you just, you know, the whole place, it's so lively as like the the city itself, you know, everyone there is just absolutely enjoying themselves. We got lucky with the weather in general, I'd say this weekend, because apart from the little bit of rain, at the end of the Grand Prix on Sunday, it was beautiful sunshine, you know, the yachts in the harbours, it all, the glitz and the glam that I have sort of, I thought Monaco would be like, it delivered, let's put it that way. Yeah, it did. And it delivered quite well, as you, as you just mentioned with the sun. I've got a very pink face at the present time. I must I the must sun admit. a little bit. Uh, just a little bit, but yes. Did you pop out into uh, uh, Monte Carlo itself? Did you have a little look around? Oh yeah, I uh, I explored the sites of Monaco, mate. Yeah, I actually got the chance to to have a little wander. I got the train into Monaco on a couple of occasions, uh, and the train station you have to walk the way you walk down. You end up walking along out the outside of Turn One uh, through all the fan zones and stuff like that to get around to towards Rascas and uh, the harbour. Yeah. So yeah, I did a I did a probably about half the lap. I reckon I've walked around this weekend in terms of around the outside, so seeing everything around it. So I did my best, mate. I did my best to kind of yeah. see what Monaco's got to offer. Yeah, but you did well walking around half of that. I had an electric scooter that got yeah. me all all around the circuit. That was the easiest way for me to get around, that's for sure. I generally think next, if I ever go back to Monaco again for work, I would love to take an electric scooter with me because, yeah, that would be handy because it is a tricky place to manoeuvre yourself around, isn't it? Yeah, it's certainly, yeah. Just make sure you bring one that can actually take you up hills 
my one, I had to help it. <laughs> Do you have to give <laughs> it a little, you know, oh, sort I of gave skateboard, leg on the ground, pushing I, I up? I gave there. it a lot. And with my feet, it was very, very painful. And with your your legs and feet, it would be probably quite awkward. So make awkward. sure it's good oomph. Yeah, lessons learned for next time. Yeah, get yeah, some, you got it. Get at a all. scooter with some some proper power behind it. Right, should we get yeah. into? You know, we spoke a little bit there about you know how good qualifying was and the race. I do want to touch on how good that qualifying session was because I was on yeah. the edge of my seat. You know, we we spoke there about you know Max Fernando, how close they were to each other. The thing that stood out for me though, that last sector from Max just happened on you know Saturday yeah. to find nearly three tenths of a second in three or four corners. You know, he really put it all on the line, didn't he? He was, you know, bouncing off the walls. Yeah, indeed. But that just shows these special ones that turn up every now and again. A, a Max, a Lewis, a, a Fernando Alonso, an Ayrton Senna, Alan Prost, and the list sort of goes on and on. And th- They have this uncanny ability to pull something out of the bag when it looks as if it's lost and then just you get you get wowed by it. And it's just brilliant that we're very fortunate and everybody should enjoy what we're seeing at the present time. I remember saying it about Lewis, but I think now with, with Max, we're seeing exactly the same thing. And it's it's just absolutely awesome. But it wasn't just Max, was it? I predicted very well with that Aston Martin and Fernando Alonso. I thought, I thought it was job done in qualifying and Max ruined it. <laughs> ruined uh, honestly, it in a yeah, I, I was the same, mate. I, I was looking, you know, you could see it after the first two sectors, Max was up. Yeah. He was two temps down on Fernando. And I was sat there like, right, it's done. He's not going to, there's no way he's going to find two temps in the last sector. But he did. He, he yeah. surprised us all, as Max has happened. He's, always does. Yeah, he's, he always does. <laughs> and then Sunday, mate, what do you think of the, the Grand Prix? Because I did, I don't know about you, but. When I, you know, obviously when Max got the pole and Fernando was second, I still held a lot of hope that if anyone's going to find a way at turn one to get past Max Verstappen in Monaco, it would be Fernando Alonso. But yeah, unfortunately, well, unfortunately, that the strategy from Aston Martin was to use the hard tyres, which meant we didn't get that, you know, that head-to-head battle going down into turn one with an overtake potentially on the cards. No, and it didn't enable. Fernando to have that sort of you know initial drive that he would have needed to pass Max just because he had the harder tire on but but it was absolutely I thought it was brilliant because it was what it was sort of between seven and ten it sort of it was moving around a little bit especially when they started uh, lapping cars but he was hanging on with the with the speed of that Aston Martin and it would have been so interesting to see like I said earlier on how far Max would have been able to stretch those tires and before that rain came um, it was looking as if if he had to, he would have done it on the last lap. And then yeah. that would have been very interesting. So that would have been, I'm sure, the whole idea uh, of trying to push them uh, that far. And it did look as if they were able to do that, as we have seen with, uh, you know, his long stint in Miami, for example. And again, he's got this wonderful ability to feel what the tyre's doing, adjust his driving style to it. He doesn't sort of burn up the tyre when he comes out of the slow speed corners. He looks after them. In a, in a very, very clever way. But again, Fernando Aston Martin, brilliant to see that that performance is looking very good. I know it's Monaco. I know it's very different than any other track uh, that we go to, but hopefully that's going to be a sign to all of us that on certain circuits and with certain upgrades that will be coming away for all the teams, that gap is actually coming down. Yeah, I think Aston Martin highlighted that this weekend, you know, Monaco, slow speed corners, that was going to, you know, 
benefit them. That was going to suit their car. And I yeah. think other circuits like Singapore have been mentioned for later in the season as ones to watch that where you know, Aston Martin and Fernando in particular could, you know, do something special. So, yeah, I, like I said, I don't think it's going to be a consistent theme of seeing Fernando be able to run Max in that Red Bull that close. But it gives us positives that, you know, like you say, with upgrades, with the right circuit, there's potential that, you know, people can take a race to Max Verstappen this season. Yeah. Well, the, 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 the upgrades. Now, let's talk about the upgrades. Now, a lot of them were supposed to be used in, in Imola. And of course, yeah. that, that didn't happen with uh, with the weather. Um, but then we've also got to look at Mercedes. Of course, they came with their up, upgrade package. Was it better? Uh, th- I th- there was a bit more of a smile on Lewis's face. But if we do it purely on performance, actually, they're in the same position they were uh, were beforehand, but that they're only in the same position as in a grid position, sixth place for for Lewis, because of how quick Esteban Ocon was in an upgraded Alpine. Now, I think we both know, and everybody knows out there as well, that you don't normally come to Monaco with upgrades. It's not no, the place that you're not. going to have any idea of how they're really working. But Barcelona will be next week, won't it? And that's what's good for us, Billy, because actually we've seen some good performances, better performances from Alpine and, and, and Ocon for sure. It probably was better for Mercedes, but it was just the wrong track for us to really see what's happening. But that's good. Merck have never really excelled no, around Monaco well as, either, have no. they? It, mm. It's always been a bit of a bogey circuit for them. So I think the fact that, you know, I think the main positives to take for Mercedes were, you know, like you say, Lewis being comfortable in the car. Because that's something yeah. that he hasn't really, you know, said much like that this season. Even though his results haven't been too bad and he's got, you know, a good haul of points himself. He's always been moaning that he's not comfortable in the car and saying that, yeah. you know, things aren't quite right. But like you say, even though the performance at Monaco, he was still lining up on the grid where we usually expect him to be. He was a lot happier. And uh, and actually, in fact, George nearly uh, on, mm. the, on the Sunday, he could have snuck onto the podium because Mercedes nearly played an absolute... Yes lined up with a strategy, you know, keeping him out long enough, putting him straight onto the inters. But he locked up, didn't he? And went down the That's slip right. road at Mirabeau. And at Mirabeau, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I had a chance to speak to him and he said it was it was, he was out ahead of Lewis and Ocon. It was a guaranteed podium if he could have kept it yeah. on the track. So he was kept it on, the on, track. Su- on Sunday after the race when I spoke to him, he was a little bit disappointed with that how yeah. it all unfolded. He was a bit gutted. I think we'll be see a fired up George for next weekend, I think, mate. I, I think so. But how many times have we heard that? If. <laughs> yeah. If. Good old if. But yeah. yeah, it's interesting. The disappointment for the weekend, Ferrari. Yeah. Wasn't I know. It again? I was, again. I was so convinced that when I'm on my predictions that Charles Leclerc was going to be the one to run Max Verstappen close. And it just, you know, okay, he qualified third. So he was still right in the mix in qualifying. But, you know, Ferrari as a team kind of let him down with, uh, what happened in qualifying and getting that penalty from impeding Norris, didn't they? Sure, indeed. Yeah. Again, he was third and they got his three place penalty, obviously, with uh, getting in the And he did get in the way, didn't he, in the tunnel of Lando Norris? Yeah, I don't know what that he was wasn't... doing. It was wandering all over the place. Yes. Yeah. But it, there was still a gap, wasn't there? That was the that was the problem. Yes, it was third, but it was a bigger gap than I was expecting it to be at Monaco. So, well, let's hope they can take that to Barcelona. So let's talk. Barcelona. What are, what are we what are, what are we expecting from from that uh, that race weekend? I mean, there's obviously been changes to the circuit for this year, which I think is worth noting. You know, that final sector at Barcelona yeah. 
where you used to have, you know, the really tight left-right chicane, you know, leading onto the the main straight. That's now disappeared, mate, hasn't it? So they've now gone back to the old school layout where, you know, two really fast right-handers, you know, high speed to finish the lap. Did you ever get the chance to drive that, you know, configuration of circuit at Barcelona? Uh, I did. Uh, hated it. Uh, and I'm glad, if I, no, no one can see it, but I'm punching my fist in the air because I'm glad we got back to that sort of fast last sector because it was brilliant. And again, with these cars as well, they're going to be motoring through that corner. It's flat out. Yes, it's flying. But, but it's just going to be brilliant to see them sort of going through that again. But, you know, who are we expecting to be quick? Well, obviously, it's going to be that red ball. But I, I, I think that gap is going to be is going to be smaller. And I think there's going to be fascinating to see one thing, I suppose, if we're talking about the championship, can Sergio, no, I'll rephrase that, Sergio Perez must bounce back with a win. He's got to I bounce back I think he's got to win. win. Yeah, I completely agree, he's mate. I feel like if he doesn't win this weekend, and yeah. if he doesn't win, the likelihood is Max will win the race instead of him. So that gap will extend even more. But yeah, it's, it just feels like, we, a few weeks ago, we were talking about, you know, how this was a real battle on our hands. And then out of yeah. nowhere, it's just fallen away in such a quick period of time. It was only what like what happened last season with Charles Leclerc and Max Verstappen and that battle in the championship. You know, it started off the sure. season and we were thinking, you know, Ferrari looked like they've got the faster car. Charles is delivering, you know, that we're going to have a proper championship battle on our hands. And then within a few races... He was miles behind Max in the championship. Yeah, but it's it's amazing though, Billy, because sometimes you just need a little bit of luck. And what did Max Verstappen have in Monaco during that race? Yeah, a little, little bit of luck, and that is unfortunate. I don't understand why, but it's the the champions of the sport always seem to have that little extra bit of luck sometimes. And Max had it there. I was saying exactly this. Uh, the the crew I was working with on the TV side, we were watching the race. I was like. Wherever there's a bit of luck to be had, Max Verstappen is there to capitalise on it. And yeah, you, but it's not. That's not just saying that his results are achieved because of luck, because they're completely not. No. He's just because it's almost like because he's doing such an exceptional job himself, he gives himself the option to be lucky. That's what yes. it feels like. Yeah, I think Fernando had it. I think Sebastian had it. I think Michael Schumacher had it. I think Ayrton Senna, Alan Prost. If you go back over time, and all of them, all of them always had uh, less incidents on the track or reliability was better on their car for whatever it, whatever reason it was. So, yeah, so he had his luck there. Maybe maybe that was that was the luck of the year. Maybe that's the only piece of luck that he's going to have because so, he, he's going to continue to be very, very strong. That's for sure, Max. Do I expect yeah. mistakes? No. Not really, because I think he's just so, so on it. No, Max doesn't make too many mistakes, does he? What about, no. you know, I think it's worth highlighting, Johnny, is that, you know, for a lot of the, the listeners at home, how many laps all these drivers will have done of Barcelona? Not the, you know, the old school configuration, but this is a track yeah. where, you know, all of these drivers, there's going to be no sort of, you know, the rookies aren't going to be able to say, oh, well, I didn't no. know circuit, anything like that. You know, if you're Oscar Piastri, Nick De Vries, you know, these drivers, you know, Logan Sargent, they all have done so many laps of this place, pre-season testing, in-season testing in F2 and F3. You know, there's yep. stuff going on in Barcelona. So every one of the drivers this weekend in Spain. No excuses. No excuses, is there? They're, this is now down to pure performance and seeing where the, almost where the pecking order is with, uh, 
within the team, inter-team battles and stuff like that. Yeah, uh, you know, definitely. You know, I suppose if we get to sort of that middle pack, you know, where we're going to see with Lando and Oscar Piastri, of course, they finished ninth and 10th uh, in Monaco, which was a great, great result for McLaren. And then you've got to see how Nick de Vries uh, does as well. Can he keep that sort of momentum, a little bit of momentum that he's got at the present time? And that this is the place. Yeah, 12th in Monaco was his best result, wasn't it? So, yeah, you know, this is the place. This is the place where that has now got to really. I think, and I think, sort of, Helmut Marco sort of mentioned it that actually Barcelona, probably because of what you've just said there, that this is where if he gets it right, I think his drive is safe. If he gets it wrong, he's probably going to be in a little bit of a tricky wicket. Yeah, this one's going to be interesting. Predictions, then, mate. I'd love to put Sergio Perez in that mix. You know, the second last year, uh, but he was 13 seconds off of Max. And because of that, I'm still going to go for Max because I think Max is still on the top of his game, that's for sure. But I'm going to go for one of the upgrades, uh, cars. I'm going to go for Ocon. Second. Actually, for second place. And I reckon there's a good chance that car could come alive in in Barcelona. I respect it. And then... Then I'm going to put Fernando third. Fernando third. So you've gone Max with yeah. on Ocon, Fernando. So you've gone for the Monaco podium, but with Ocon now in second. You got it. Wow. That's interesting. Mm. Like, that's that's probably your boldest predictions of the season so far. Gen- <laughs> genuinely, I, 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 yes. I'm impressed. I'm impressed. Whether I, that's just, I, I appreciate the bravery, but that just might be pure <laughs> stupidity. We'll find out. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> right. Probably. Go My on, My predictions. So boring. I'll take boring if it makes makes me a winner. <laughs> well, come on then. Come on then. I'm waiting. I'm waiting. I'm keeping on you on the, the edge seat. of your seat, mate. Yeah. Yes. Uh, so it's a one-two for Red Bull for me. It's Max Verstappen okay. in front of Sergio Perez. You know. Very dull. Shock yeah, very horror. Dull. Yeah. And in third place. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to go for... Charles Leclerc. Oh, oh, again, Ferrari. You yeah. are you are just hoping it's gonna click together. This I is just a circuit. Think... You've one thing you've forgotten, Billy. Yeah. This is a circuit that chews up tires. Yeah, the degradation but that, that final sector's not there. Chews up tires. The final sector, I'm thinking, you know, the slow speed chicane, the traction elements of things, you know, you're not yeah, gonna be lighting it, the tires up. But it like leans on them. But all the air, it's leaning on the tyre. It's going to still eat those tyres on that Ferrari, that's for sure. I am sat here right now thinking I haven't put Fernando Alonso in the top three. and he's only no, you not, haven't. And he's only not been in the top three one race this season. Yeah. So I do. I hope he hears like, this because I know he listens. So I hope he hears what you've just said. Oh, Fernando should be in there really, shouldn't he? Too late. No, I'm going to put Too late. I reckon he'll be four. Too late. You can't back it. You uh, four. Yeah, that's you know, the losers. But he'll be person. yeah, he'll be just off the podium this weekend. You know, Monaco will have got to his head a little bit. You know, he'll have thought, oh yeah, you know, I'm going to win this next weekend, and he's going to be you know making a couple of mistakes. So P4 for Fernando for me. But yeah, I might have to start if he gets another podium this weekend. I might have to really yeah. stick him in there. But but as as this predictions is Billy, it's the top three. Top three. We care about four. We so care Charles Leclerc conferred, Red Bull one, two, Max Chaco. There we go. There we have it. There are my predictions cool. for the Spanish Grand Prix. I'm heading out there soon to, to Barcelona. Are you watching this one from home? I'm at home. I'm home for the weekend, yes. I'll have some inside knowledge. So when it all goes to plan for me, I'll, you know, drop you a little text saying, you know. Please do. Please Charles do. Leclerc, he's a looking, he's your sure thing. I hope so. Anyway, I'm looking forward to it because I think it's going to be quite interesting to see who has actually benefited from from the upgrades. Because this track, this is going to be uh, where the car's either going to come alive or it's going to be a little bit of a 
bit of a melon. Exactly that. Well, we're going to take a quick break and we'll be back with some more of this after that. We've got a great guest. Very good guest. On for us, haven't we, Billy? Gunter Steiner. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theatres, May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Gunter, firstly, can I just say thank you for joining us on the podcast? Me and Johnny are, are excited for this chat. I think you're a bit of a star of the Netflix series, mate. So you're, you know, when it comes to Formula One world, you're Mr. Popular when it comes to the team principles, mate. I know. Thanks for having me. And I know Johnny quite a long time. And so I was actually looking forward to this, seeing how good John is in the podcast. I know about you, Billy, you know, uh, the don't feel... Uh, you know, I was shut up by Johnny here, you know. Oh, stop it. <laughs> he's right on my side already. Just because he's become famous, he's completely changed. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like this relationship's always been there, John. <laughs> Obviously, Gunther, we're, we're speaking to you off the back of Monaco. We are. Obviously, f- from a Haas point of view, didn't quite go to plan. But what were you, what's your immediate reaction now, you know, a couple of days after Monaco, mate? Where, where did you kind of look at? the weekend in general. There was no Monaco for Haas. Never happened. No, no <laughs> Monaco for Haas. Never happened. No, no, seriously speaking. I mean, you have to get a little bit more serious here. It's like, no, Monaco, obviously, what was tough and we all know Monaco, the race is basically on Saturday, as it proved again, because there was not a lot of change in the race. So on Saturday, we were, uh, after FP3, we, I wouldn't say, you, you know, overconfident, but we were pretty sure that we can get into Q2 with speed, you know, and uh, everything was... Uh, lining up and then we uh, in in uh, in q1 after the red flag uh we, we decided oh, uh, you know we, we just use one set of tires go out at the end because the track was improving and uh, on our on the second lap on that set of tires there was no performance there anymore you know the first lap yeah. was, was well in the ballpark to get into q2 with all the other people which were on their first lap on on, on a second set of tires for them or third set for some of them and uh, just our guy said on the second lap, the tire was uh, dead already, you know. And and I think our car just uh, uses the tire too, uh, the, the, the use of the tire is too hard and they, and, and they degrade a lot quicker in one lap. We, uh, we knock the life out of them. Yeah but, yeah, but in the race, Kevin actually, before the rain came, was doing really well, wasn't he? He was looking as if he was possibly going to get in the top 10 for the finish. Yeah, top 10 because he cannot overtake. I mean, he tried and I, I think we raced pretty well for where we were. Yeah. It was just that second lap of, on the second lap on this tyre, which we messed up because uh, we said, you know, we can qualify going into Q3 was difficult, but not impossible. But Q2 was like, okay, we can get in there and maybe starting 12, 13, and then some mayhem will happen, you know, so... We were very disappointed in the race. Then, I mean, as you saw, Kevin was fighting hard, but we couldn't move forward. We moved, I think we went, uh, we were fourth and 15 when, when it started to rain. And we just said, I mean, we cannot make up because obviously people then block for their teammate. Obviously, what, what, what idea you think we had, you know? So, uh, to block somebody and then 
in the pit stop, get somebody in front of it or, 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 or get yeah. them a free pit stop in. That's what people did. And uh, that's the strategy in Monaco. And then we just, when it started to rain, we just decided, uh, okay, let's, you know, uh, all the dice here, you know, uh, let, let's keep them on uh, the, the, the dry tire longer. With uh, we had two options, either maybe a red flag comes because people were going uh, off left, right, and center, but uh, nobody really got stuck anything. Or it, uh, it, the rain is shorter than it actually ended up to be, and then obviously then we lost the position. And at some stage, we said let's change yeah. to wet tire. But I think it was too late already. Even if something happened, we were too many laps down. We cannot make them up. And then, uh, as you saw, we, we we called Kevin in uh, because it's no point to stay out there. I mean, you know. Uh, why would you risk anything if we called him in and just left Nico out there? Yeah, sure. So, Billy, I think it's time, isn't it, now? Let's find out a little bit more about Gunter Steiner. You know, let's try and go back to the very beginning, Gunter. Your route to F1. How did that sort of come about for you? My route to F1 came about, I mean, uh, uh, I worked in rallying a long time at the time, and I was very happy there, or pretty happy there. I mean, I wasn't looking to do anything different at then. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I think I told this story quite a few times already. I got this phone call from, I think it was the secretary of Nicky Lauda saying that Mr. Lauda wants to speak with me. I mean, I'm sure talking with Nicky Lauda, you know. And I was a kid, I mean, he was one of my heroes, you know, watching him uh, uh, when he won the championships. And I called uh, I called him up and, uh, you know, it's, uh, oh, can we meet for somewhere in the next weeks? And I said, yeah, I'm going to be in Vienna anyway in a few weeks. And uh, I said, oh, let's go for dinner. And, uh, I mean, you know, some of the people involved in this is uh, uh, Tyrone. Tyrone Johnson was involved. Yeah, Ty Johnson, yeah. You remember him from the good old fort? Indeed. Do. Indeed. Yeah. And uh, uh, Tyrone gave him my name and uh, I said, hey, hey, how is Nicky Lauda? Because he worked with him, obviously, because he was the motorsport manager at Ford. I said, oh, it will be a brief meeting. You know, he never wasted any time. And uh, I went to Vienna, went uh, to eat uh, the schnitzel with him, you know. So, uh, <laughs> classic, yeah, exactly. Classic, you know, yeah, you have to eat the schnitzel with Nikki, you know. So, I had the schnitzel, and uh, okay, I went home, and uh, my wife called me and said, How did you go? I said, I don't know, we spoke, but nothing. Next day in the morning, <laughs> eight o'clock, got a phone call from, from Nikki, and uh, thank you for your time. And uh, you know, you are gonna work for me, all right? Um, uh, Mr. Lauda, at the time that that was the Mr. Lauda for me, you know, what I'm gonna John. do, I don't know yet, but I will tell you. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> very nicky, very nicky. Yeah, that's for sure. You, 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 I mean, I don't know if you knew him, but uh, Johnny knew him, you know, uh, and, uh, yeah. you know, that is all how he was, you know. So, and, and it started from there. We started to talk a lot more, and then I had to finish the, that year, the fourth World Rally Car, the homologation, and then end of that year, beginning of the next one, I moved to Jaguar Racing. And uh, that is how I ended up in Formula One. So it was... All down to Nicky Lauda is what you're saying. Nicky Lauda <laughs> was the root cause of Gunter Steiner ending up in the world of Formula One. Yeah, he was the root cause me sitting here with you guys, you know. So <laughs> as well as thank Nicky for that. Him, blame him for it, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So Gunter, I'm I'm interested to to know, like you say, obviously Nicky got you thinking about, you know, moving into the world of Formula One, but on a personal note, your ambitions, you know, in the sport. So was that, you said that Nicky was the one who kind of approached you, you ended up working for him. Did you have any underlying ambition yourself of, you know, doing anything different to what you were doing? If, but Formula One, was that something that you've been into since you were younger, since you were a kid? No, I always was interested in racing cars. And uh, uh, when I started in rallying, you know, rallying was very popular as well, you know, and I, I liked it. And as I said, 
when 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 before the the, the cold came, I didn't try to call people up to get into Formula One because I, I was very happy where I was. I worked for M Sport. I worked for Malcolm Wilson at the time. You know, I, I mean, I, I was fine. You know, and uh, you know, I always liked Formula One, but it wasn't like that. I got up in the morning. I need to get the job in Formula One. No, uh, if he wouldn't have called up, I. I was happy where I was, you know, it's very strange, you know, and obviously you get a call from him plus Formula One, it's like, okay, let's try something new as well, you know, but there was not like the underlying uh, desire, I need to make it to Formula One, no, that was never there, you know. Yeah, but you were quite lucky as well, because you missed me, that Jag. That maybe be a bit of luck that came into your life. Yeah, I missed your survival, but I had you long enough around just sneaking around on, on, on the surroundings, you know. <laughs> but it's been irritating. Only for me. I don't need him as a survival, you know. And then there was a move to Red Bull, of course, after Jag for a little bit. In between, there was a, I, I did a little uh, a year at DTM, and then I, I moved to Red Bull in Formula One for a little bit more than a year. Yeah, I, I got to know Mr. Matisic. Actually, but. When I went to Austria, where I met Nicky, I was over in Austria for a project Red Bull was doing at the time, you know. So uh, it, it's all, uh, I saw some of my soldiers together. Yeah, I moved to Red Bull for a year and something. And then uh, uh, I went for Red Bull to the to, uh, to the States. I'm interested, Gunter, you know, you spoke, you know, and we've now under, get a bit more of an understanding from you about your background, how Formula One really wasn't on your uh, sort of list of things that you wanted to do, but it, the opportunity popped up. Now you're an established team principal, one of the most long-serving team principals in Formula One already. What does a day of Gunter Steiner being a team principal, what does that look like for you know people at home that have no idea you know what team principals get up to apart from what they see at the circuit? What's a day like for you? First of all, thank you for making me old, Billy. You know, I know that you're, you're <laughs> a young old dumb Billy. Sorry, Gunter. Yeah. Normally, I'm always uh, making Johnny I feel old, but yeah, now it's, now it's you as well. <laughs> A day of a team principal starts out, he's trying to do as little as possible, really. I mean, I'm not, I mean <laughs> it sounds funny, but no, uh, it's just me exaggerating. But that's on the racetrack. On the racetrack, for example, you know, you've got your sponsors. You, you look after your, uh, you need to know what to do. But if you have to do actually any work on the team on the weekend, you have done a bad job preparing everything because you need a lot of good people around you in a Formula 1 team, you know, because every, every job is so you need to be doing so meticulous, you know, so everything needs to be up as perfect as you can get to, and otherwise you, you need to move that needle in perfection. But during the week, it could be anything. I mean, you know, you need to speak with sponsors, you need to find sponsorship. Uh, I, I always, I like the cars, you know, the technicalities, so I don't take part in all the meetings, but development meetings and uh, debriefs. Of, uh, I missed one today because I, uh, uh, it was... Uh, change the date the, the date of uh, the time of it because the plane was late whatever you know but normally i try yeah. really get to know what is going on but there is so many things which are going on and you need to be involved in everything then a lot of hr then you need to look after the finances with the finance director not that i'm doing it but you need to be aware of so many things and then you need to connect them all and if you see something is falling back you need to uh to, to jump in there and try to help out uh, to, to motivate the people to do better and where you are behind, you know. So there's a lot of things and uh, it's just, uh, it never stops as well, Billy, you know, this job. I mean, yeah, especially with us because we are in uh, 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 on two continents in three countries, you know, the time difference, it's it's always ongoing. So, and I'm not complaining, I'm just explaining it, you know. It, 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 it almost sounds like a complaint to you guys. <laughs> he always complains, Billy. 
<laughs> that's what they do really, you know. What about, you know, you? Because we, we know you're fun. We know you enjoy being a team principal at Hass and everything else. Um, do other team principals take themselves too seriously? I, I don't know, but I think in, in Formula One, that's one of the things. There is a tendency there that, okay, I made it. Now I'm important. I mean, you know, I try to enjoy always what I do. It's not only Formula One. Generally, life, what you do, I enjoy. And I think if you want to be a team principal and not, you know, that affects your other life or your personal life, you need to want to do this. And if you want to do something, you need to have fun. Otherwise, why you why would you want to do something if you have no fun? I, you could to say to make money. But, I mean, at some stage, just doing it for money, it's too hard work because the, the effort you need to put in, if you put this effort in, we put into this job, you put it in in something else, you could make the same amount, if not more money, you know. But I have fun doing it. I like what, it's not all fun, but I like what I'm doing, you know. It's like, I enjoy it, you know. I, this is what I want to do. And today, I don't want to do it anymore. I, 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 I'm not going to force myself to do it just to be here, you know, to feel self-important. So it's a simple system. Yet you know how, you know Formula One, you have been around it 60 years now because you're about 80 off. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely spot on that, Gunter. Oh, oh, stop it, stop it, Gunter. You're going to make Billy sort of, Get all smug. He's giving me all the ammunition I need. Oh, I know he is. God, I knew this was good. I knew this was going to be a bad move. I'm training you, Billy. Any <laughs> any lessons you need to to harass Johnny? Just come to oh, me. Oh, perfect. <laughs> ah, I'm all for it. Talking about harassing. Talking about harassing. You know, I think a lot of the other team principals. It's all. I always find it's a lot more difficult to approach them. You're approachable all the time, and is that you was explained about sort of the enjoyment? Is that why you're so open in the paddock? Yeah, I would say so, because, I, I mean, I like to speak with people. I mean, it's not like I have nothing to hide, you know. And you also know I got the, I got an opinion on most of the things, and I tell you my opinion. You I, have. I, I'm not going to I'm not gonna speak about you. I speak to you. I, I think that's a much better way to do business in life, you know. You speak to people. Obviously, sometimes you have to disagree, because we cannot always agree with each other. But that's fine, you know. I think that is life, you know. And uh, uh, it, it, it's, there's a lot of people in Formula 1. You can actually have... You know, you can be serious. I mean, and uh, but you can you, you need to have fun as well. It's not all, uh, all 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 to be serious, you know. So I try to do that one, and therefore I I know a lot of people because I'm in motorsport now since eighty uh, uh, six. You know, so you, you get to know a lot. Eighteen eighty six, yeah. Eighteen eighty six, yeah. No, seventeen eighty six, yeah. Uh, all right, <laughs> then, yeah. <laughs> but, but but no, that is I like I, I like to speak with people because I mean uh, some of the, the the people I worked with, some I worked for, some I worked for worked for me. So it's always good to have a relationship, you know, and uh, uh, enjoy what to do. And uh, that, that that's why I'm approachable. Really, you know? Gunter, you mentioned that you know how important your role is in terms of managing the people in the team. That Formula One is a, a team sport. You know, you need individuals performing on the highest level. I'm interested to know. One, what it's like to manage your two drivers, because obviously they're the, the superstars, they're the front men for you know, the results that the team get. But also, what's Gene Haas like? What's that relationship like? Is, is that one that, you know, are you scared of Gene? Is he because he's the boss character? No, I'm not scared. I mean, I respect the guy because in the end, uh, what I respect with him in a very difficult time, for, not very difficult time, for Formula One, he didn't have to do an F1 team, but he wanted to do an F1 team at the time and he, he believed what I told him, you know, and uh, uh, I, I don't want to let him down because, you know, he put his trust in me and I, I said, this is what I'm going to do. I normally do what I say, uh, what I'm going to do. 
you don't always achieve everything. But as long as the good intent is there and to achieve most of it, I think it's pretty good. So I'm not, I respect him. I'm not afraid of him because it's no, it's no need to be afraid of anybody. That is my opinion. You know, why would I be afraid of anybody if he doesn't like me? I mean, he will tell me and then I go and do something else. Simple as this, you know. So what I respect is at the time, you know, a, a lot of teams were struggling. He said, I want to do a Formula One team. It took him, I spoke with him more than a year before he decided, you know, because I want, I think he wanted to figure me out if I can actually do it, you know. So, I mean, I don't know if I can do it, but anyway, no. <laughs> uh, and, and now our relationship is, I speak here, because he, he is in California. He's not doing any operational thing on the team. I always consult him when we have got big decisions, like big financial decisions, driver decisions. I always involve him, but he doesn't want to know if the trucks get to Monte Carlo or not. I mean, that, that for he has got people to do it, you know, and I've got people. So it's a very, I, 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 I like a lot to work for him. I, on a, on a normal weekend when he's not coming to a radius, I speak twice with him. Very casual. You know, he sometimes, if he wants to know something or something to ask me, because he got, he calls me up and asks me straight away. It's very, very natural, the relationship. Uh, back to your drivers, uh, how I manage them. I always think once people get to F1 or drivers get to F1, they know what is expected from them. So I think I just interfere. I normally have got quite a good relation with drivers. You know, I treat them like anybody else. They are not uh, superstars. Just as long as I don't slam your door. Oh, you are drivers as <laughs> well, Billy. So as you guys think, you should be treated like superstars. <laughs> yeah. Bring us back down to earth, Gunther. Bring us back down to earth. No, I treat them very respectfully. I know what they have to do. I try to support them when they've got issues. I say, just call me up and they do. You know, if they've got something to ask, they are to call me up when I want something. I call them up uh, before the race. Obviously, they know what we expect. We have got our principles. If there is something special, we sit down and speak about. But I think I give them the confidence that I, I, I'm, I'm not going to micromanage a driver. I'm not a driver. Uh, you know, it's like when people ask me, did you tell them at the start not to crash into each other? If they don't know that one, Jesus Christ, they got the wrong guys here, you know. So, <laughs> and then, even if I tell them and they want to crash into each other, I cannot stop it anyway. So, I mean, it's no point to... No. Obviously, we sometimes have serious talks about things, you know, and we had them when Omar and uh, uh, Kevin, they run always into each other, never to anybody else, but to each other. I said, at least if you want to take something out, take something else out, but not the not, not, not your teammate, you know. <laughs> no, that is how I, I, I treat drivers, really. Yeah, and your current drivers, obviously, Kevin... Uh, and Hulkenberg, are you sort of happy with with those drives you've got? Is there anything like Danny Rick? Danny Rick could be possibly free. Would you take someone like that on, or would you just stick with what you what you've got? Uh, no, uh, in the moment, I'm I'm, I'm very happy. We we wanted to achieve uh, getting uh, Nico on board. This his experience that what we needed. I mean, we are still the youngest team in Formula One. Yeah, uh, uh, you know, the only thing you cannot buy is time. To get experience, you need time. So what you can do is try to get people in which help the team and. Uh, he fitted in perfectly. He's still hungry. That was my, I wouldn't say concern, but maybe a, a little doubt I had, which I wanted to get uh, away from me. Last year, before we uh, before we, we signed him, it's like, you know, he was three years non-full-time driver. He did a few Grand Prix, I think two or three. And it's like, are you still hungry? And I think he's very hungry. And uh, I, I think you guys are in Formula One. Johnny Drove, you're around uh, Billy, uh, Formula One since a while now. It's always something when you are away from it, you miss it. You know, the first, the, when, you, when you're not in there anymore, say, yeah, I'm going to do something else, you know, I'm going to do race something different. And then you, and then all of a sudden Formula One is there again. You really feel like, you know, wow, 
this is what I want to do. And Nico was the same, you know. And he's still pretty young. Everybody thinks, oh, he's he, he's old now. No, he's, there is a lot of drivers which are older than him now in, in F1, you know. So and he's fit, and and he's doing what he does. And and Kevin, we called him back uh, last year for the same reason, a similar reason, not exactly the same. But he knew the team, he knew everybody, and we had only two weeks to find a driver. Well, you want to find in that short period of time which fits into the team as quick as possible. And I think now with the combination of them, uh, Kevin is pushed a little bit more now than he was last year. And, you know, he's uh, rolling his sleeves up, I would say, you know, and he needs to yeah. because he knows what is at, at stake here. So I'm very happy and they get on very well between them. Yeah. And you've obviously you've had a long career in motorsport, but what's your most defining moment of your career? I mean, uh, defining, I, I don't know. Really. Is it your book? <laughs> I cannot make gestures, otherwise you know which one I will make, you know. <laughs> yes. No, it's not my most defining thing. My most defining thing is when, when you feel happy because you've achieved something. And for me, when we went out in 2016 for our first race, you know, just going out, it was something. How many people were able to start a responding? I mean, there's not many around, you know. It was for me, wow. Well, no. I mean, it's pretty cool, you no. know. And it's not like that I... You're proud of it, but you're not getting like, whoa, what I've done. No, it's it's something, you know, you do it and then it happens. It's like, wow, would I have ever seen this coming 30, 40 years ago to start up an F1 team going out there, being ready for it with two drivers, two cars, everything ready, a team around you which works hard and then scoring points. I mean, at the time we went out there, I obviously didn't know that we we're going to score points, but that was like the cherry on the cake, you know. So, but the, that, sure. uh, that was for me the, a very happy moment. That was almost as getting to know you, John. Wow. <laughs> big praise, Johnny. Big praise, Johnny. I did Big praise, yes. I would not have ever com- commented on that being a positive, that's for sure. Gunter, speaking of, speaking of Johnny, you know, I, I'm interested, you know, completely, you know, throwing it out there. Me and Johnny have disagreed in the past over, you know, the current grid, previous drivers, who we think is like the creme de la creme, who's the best drivers that we've had in, in the world of Formula One. Let's stick with current for now. Out of the current grid, I know this is difficult for you because you've got two drivers in your team, so it's hard to say other drivers you think are better. But have you got a top three? Do you look at the grid and you think there's some standout drivers that, you know, if you could get any driver on the grid, you'd want them in your team? Very clever question because a lot of people ask who is the best driver, you know. But it's like, <laughs> well, when, really... I mean, uh, you know, uh, it, it, 20 years ago, it was something different. No, but in the moment, I think Max is, is the best driver. I mean, uh, obviously, he's got the best car as well. I know that. But I think just like, and I always see it like this, a driver, some drivers have got a period where they are on top of the wave. You know, nothing can can throw them off. You know, they're in the best car. They are very uh, in a good place mentally. You know, everything is going, making money. Everything is going just well, you know. And I think uh, you need to have the talent to get there. And uh, I think Max in the moment is there. He still has got, he has got the talent. He has got the drive. Everything seems to be going right because whatever he touches turns into gold in the moment so I think uh, but in the end I think of this generation of drivers he's the best and he's still very young if you think about it but maybe in five years somebody comes along and takes him off off that pedestal you know there will be somebody better there but I think in the moment for me Max is is, is outstanding yeah Yeah. second or third would you do another two choices yeah uh, second and third I I mean as as strange as as a as it is for me, Alonso, even at his age. Has he yeah. surprised you this season, Fernando? Is he, you know, I know he's joined Aston Martin and they've stepped up performance, but has he surprised you? Yes and no. It's like we all know how good <laughs> Fernando is, just his race craft. I mean, it's amazing. 
I mean, I, I don't think he would need an engineer or strategist. Yeah. He could run a race on himself. I mean, <laughs> yes. it's something he sees things. It, it's, it's amazing. And he's very fast still. And he, you know, he's almost as old as, as Johnny, you know? I mean, no, but, but uh, his age, because we normally think at some stage, we all uh, start to go slower or something, you know? Especially racing, yeah, but indeed. He, can, he, he can still race. I mean, the experience he cannot take away from him is thinking in a race, but his speed, but he's still there. I mean, it's him. And then obviously, uh, I mean, Luis, I mean, I respect Luis a lot for what he, what he did and what he's doing, but there is, at his level now, there are, I mean, George, for me, is a very good driver. I think Alex Albon is a very good driver. No, but right. it's difficult to say number three for me. You know? Yeah. What about what about all time top three drivers? Now it doesn't just have to be F one, I suppose, because you've had experience in in rallying. But what would your what would your be your top three all time drivers? I, I, I think it will be good old days, Nicky, because what he did, and then I got to know him. Obviously, I've got some sympathy. It's personal there. I think Colin. You know, I took a very good relationship with Colin as a driver. I mean, he was yeah, he was a magician. Yeah, wow. I, I have never thought anybody can do what he did with cars. And then a guy I never knew and never met in my life was Senna. You know, I always, but then again, I never met him. So I just see it on movies and things like this. But I think he was an outstanding talent as well. Yeah. Colin, that's a very interesting one. Because he, you know, for me, you know, he was absolutely bonkers. But there was, it was bonkers, but with just an, an amazing amount of skill. And it just seemed to sort of work, didn't it? Absolutely amazing stuff he did in a in a rally car. I, I mean, as you say it, you, you know, his skills for me it was talent. It was sheer talent. I mean, the guy could do anything with the car. Right. You know, I mean, it, it's like it's amazing for me. It was like, how did he do this? But also, as, as 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 a person, his confidence in himself. You know, a lot of drivers when you see them, you think they're confident, but they're not really. You know, Colin never yeah. had that doubt about his talent. You know, and he will tell you, you know, what he thinks about it. You know, how good he is. You know. He knew it, yeah, and he would tell you. But I mean, you had to respect that because he had it. You know, I mean, the guy was just like uh, outstanding. Gunter, two words that go hand in hand: Gunter Steiner, Netflix. <laughs> I want to dive. In, I want to dive into it just a little bit. Um, you spoke earlier, which I found interesting about you know your role as a team principal, the fact that you know as a sort of new team, you have to you know speak to sponsors, look for you know sponsorship. When the whole Netflix series sort of the idea got, you know, thrown into the F1 world, did you see that as an opportunity? Because, you know, instantly the fans took to you and Hass's, you know, presence in the sport as a team has benefited from that. You know, Hass have gained a lot of fans and followers off the back of Netflix. So is that something that as a team principal, you looked at that and thought, you know, if I, you know, if I, uh, you know, speak my mind say so to say people will enjoy that and that will help us grow as a team you're accusing me to be an actor billy you know <laughs> <laughs> no no i tell you how it went and and i didn't watch it you know and uh, it came out the first year at, uh, and, and i walked into an f1 commission meeting and everybody was like whoa 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 what happened here did you see yourself on on netflix i said no and, and i was like I, I was actually that moment was like what happened here you know i mean <laughs> what have i said yeah exactly yeah it's like you know, you know when you get uncomfortable because you don't know what other people are talking about you. Mm. So, uh, uh, in the end, I understood that I didn't watch it anyway. I mean, I think you know that because I said it a million times that I didn't watch it. So, I I didn't know that what we what they were going to do will have this much impact because I don't really I didn't really care. There were some people in in the paddock who said, "Oh, we put so much work into this and didn't get any exposure." I said, "You know, I didn't put any work into it." Oh. <laughs> 
20 seconds to put the microphone on. That was it, but that is the effort I put in. And then I must be fair afterwards, you know, when we climbed the mountain. I mean, but that wasn't work. That was, I wanted to climb the mountain anyway, but I right. did it with Matia. It was a good day out, but I didn't go and stage something, you know, because I never did. Honestly, they don't insist that they want stage content for me. Absolutely not, not for me, you know. I just had, you know, have to sit down doing the interviews, but I mean, I'm speaking with you guys as well. So if I speak half an hour with them or, or with you, it's the same thing for me. It's part of my job, you know. So I, I didn't have to put any additional work in. And I, I didn't know what this would end up to be, Billy, at the time. And yeah. I think nobody knew because otherwise, why would Ferrari and Mercedes not take part in, uh, in the first season? Because Very nobody, true, yeah. Nobody yeah. could see what impact this would have happened, you know, and neither did I. No. And, and of course, it went so 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 well for you and you sort of your popularity sort of absolutely went absolutely through the roof but you said you didn't watch it do you watch it now have you watched no. that first season no still not wow i i watched, I watched none of the seasons no honestly and uh, people don't believe it and i tell you also why i don't believe I, you either <laughs> <laughs> because uh, if, if i watch myself you always think about it you know how you behave and how you do and then next time when they film you 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 maybe overthink it, and then something very uncomfortable is not what I'm. What other people think about me? Maybe I feel uncomfortable, and why would I feel uncomfortable if I do my job? I don't want to do that, so I don't watch it. Maybe I watch it one one day when I when, when I'm as old as Johnny. Yeah, okay, yeah, yeah, so, yeah, yeah. That will be coming very very soon. Now, would you have done your book, Survive to Drive, without the Netflix show happening? I mean, the book is another thing. It just happened. Like a lot of things seem to be happening in my life. I mean, as you as you're finding out in the moment, <laughs> I was approached in 21. I didn't came up one morning. I'm going to do a book now. You know, no, I never even thought about doing a book. You know, and I was approached by uh, uh, by, by 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 the ghostwriter. Actually, said oh, I yeah. would like to do a book, and I spoke a little bit. There was uh, I don't know. I said I'm not going to do an autobiography. It wouldn't be an autobiography if a ghostwriter. I'm not going to do that. That's not. No, no, I want to do something completely different. I want to do a diary of Gunther Steiner next year. They was like, yeah, good luck with that one. Uh, <laughs> and I said, well, what are we writing about? And so, oh, something will happen, but don't worry about it. And actually, when it ended up being, because then I realized maybe it's nice to do a book for people which are not already big fans, you know, which just want to read every little detail, but also it needs to be entertaining for somebody who actually doesn't watch F1 and just says, I want to be a summer on holiday and read a book, you know, like you do sometimes. Obviously, Johnny doesn't read books, as we know, uh, but uh, <laughs> against us. So you, you know you it too a well. Book, uh, uh, about something, you want entertainment, not only the, 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 the boring F1 stuff and this guy finished fifth and then there was a battle on the racetrack. It was, and I think it was done very nice. And the other thing was, I didn't want to spend too much time on it because I've got a day job, guys, you know. So I just spoke with the ghostwriter 15 to 20 minutes after each race. And then he came along to a few races because I said, I'm not going to sit there with you for um, a day telling you stories. You come along. We have a, he's a nice guy, very nice guy. And uh, he came to a few races with me and we went for dinner. And I told him the stories which are in there while we had dinner. You know, it's much easier to tell. And that, that is how the book came out. But back to your question, I, I don't think there would have been a book without a drive to survive. Because nobody would have been interested to listen to me or to read what I have to say, John. Uh, I that I do agree with. Absolutely, do agree with that one. Yes, <laughs> you still don't care what I think about that. <laughs> no, not really. No, not really at all. Right, we're going to do a quick fire uh, thing with you, Gunter. But I've got one thing, one little question quickly before Brad Pitt and the F1 uh, film. What do you think about that? 
I think it's good for F1. Again, it keeps it exposure. You know, uh, they put a lot of effort in because they keep us updated what they're going to do, how much effort they will put into it. You know, I think it's a cool thing. And uh, I believe uh, uh, it will be a good movie. I mean, uh, I mean, uh, the, the, the Maverick, the second Top Gun movie is made by the same people. You know, they, I think they did a pretty good job, you know. So let's hope it all goes well and uh, people are going to enjoy it. Is Tom Cruise playing you in the F1 movie? I have no <laughs> idea who's going to play. I'm even playing. Right, I'm going to do a quick, quick fire. Should we do the quick fire, Billy, very, very quickly? Yeah, let's uh, do it. First word that pops into your head uh, when we say Christian Horner. The principal. Toto Wolf. In principle. <laughs> Massive thing. Uh, uh, former rival. <laughs> Johnny Herbert. Nightmare. <laughs> Lewis Hamilton. World champion. World champion. Gunter, we appreciate your time, mate. F- just finally to wrap up, have you got any top three predictions for us for the Spanish Grand Prix? Who do you think is going to be the podium at the Spanish Grand Prix? Uh, I would say uh, I give Max a good chance to win it. I think there's a lot of people which can figure that one out. God, you're good. Yeah. You're so good you are. I would have figured that one no out. No predictions. Second, uh, let's go with Perez this time. You know, a little bit of a unknown in there. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, and then George. All right. Third. Okay. All right. So Red Bull 1 wow. to George and Third. Great. Yeah. All right. Well, Gunter, we, like I say, we thank you for coming on the podcast. You know, I hope the, the book release and everything's going well. Uh, and hopefully Spain, you know, there's some more positives where you actually want to remember that there's been a Grand Prix weekend. Really enjoyed it. Me as well. Thank you, guys. Listen, thank you so much for tuning in again to Lift the Lid. We've really enjoyed this episode, haven't we, Johnny? You know, getting our chance yeah. to speak to Gunter, see what Brilliant. all of that's about, reflecting on Monaco and looking forward to, to Spain. So um, thanks for listening and uh, we'll catch up with you after the Spanish Grand Prix this weekend. Yes, we will. This has been a Soapbox London and SBX Studios production. Our executive producers were Rowan Wilkinson and Andy Bell.